Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Associate Pastor Rev. Dr. Terry Stubblefield. Good morning, church. Makes me happy to see you all here this morning. Our gospel reading this morning takes place from Luke 16. It's the familiar story of the rich man and Lazarus. So let's see if we can find some new lessons from this text. And we're going to call this Trading Places. Have any of you ever been in a crowded room, but you still felt invisible? Everybody's talking and laughing and having a good time, and you're there alone. Nobody speaks to you, really looks at you, greets you, talks to you. You're looked over, around, or looked through. And there are several feelings you may have. I'm ugly or I'm not interesting. I wore the wrong clothes. I'm not welcome here. I don't have any friends. And you become uncomfortable and anxious and maybe even angry, and you're looking for a way out. Well, the reason for these feelings is that it's a basic human need to be seen, to be noticed. We want to be seen. We want to be noticed. It's probably part of our biological makeup. In the very beginning of time, If we didn't stick to our tribe, if we got left behind, we were in danger. Our survival probably depended upon cooperation for food and safety. So even today, being alone in our subconscious, somehow it threatens our well-being. Earlier in chapter 7 of Luke's Gospel, Simon the Pharisee had invited Jesus to his house for a dinner party. And they were probably just watching Jesus maybe trying to trip him up like some other people are trying to do. But then suddenly an uninvited woman came into the house, to the party. We don't have her name, but she's described by Simon as a sinful woman. Simon looked over her, around her, through her, but he didn't really see her, nor did he really see Jesus. She came to Jesus crying and drying the tears she shed on him with her hair. And then she opened a jar of ointment to anoint the feet of Jesus. And Simon was upset that Jesus would even let this woman touch him. And that she had the gall to come into his house uninvited. Well, turning to the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? And see is our word for the day. She came to your house. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet with, but she has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't kiss me, but she's never stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment that she has saved, possibly even for her own funeral. I tell you this, her sins have been forgiven because she has shown great love. Well, Jesus saw this woman. He saw her. As a child of God, while most people looked past her, they didn't really see her. Simon noticed her because she disturbed his party. And he saw her only as an unwelcome sinner, an intruder into his house. Well, Jesus calls Simon out for his attitude of superiority, his arrogance, and his spiritual blindness. Because Simon was accusing someone of being a sinner and ignoring his own sin. Simon's failure to see this woman as a child of God. Well, Simon's attitude toward this woman was much like what we read about the rich man in Lazarus. Lazarus, we find in this reading, sat at the gate of the rich man's house hoping for a handout, for some scraps, for some leftovers. 
And then we find that both the rich man and Lazarus die. And the rich man ends up in Hades in torment. And the rich man ends up in heaven sitting by Abraham and talking to him. Where the rich man asked Abraham, have Lazarus dip his finger in some water and bring it over here and put it on my tongue because I'm hot and dry and miserable. And he's still treating Lazarus as a servant. But Abraham said to the rich man, child, remember that in your life you had a good things and Lazarus had a terrible life. Now Lazarus has comfort and you're in agony. So we're here, we see a big reversal here. We see Lazarus and the rich man trading places. Now Jesus told this story, this parable, to teach important lessons. We had just read in this same chapter in verse 14 that the Pharisees loved money. So it's all about money. It's all about position, power, and status. Abraham's answer to the request of the rich man shows compassion and judgment. Notice how he answers the rich man. He said, child, don't you know? Don't you remember? Children need guidance because they have so much to learn. And this rich man had amassed a fortune. He was rich, but he didn't know about life in the kingdom of God. Well, secondly, Abraham points out that you, you enjoyed the good life while you were on earth. And you were so invested in the world, you knew nothing about the kingdom of God. And by the time the rich man died, he was spiritually bankrupt with nothing to comfort him. So we have a trading of places. Do you remember the movie Trading Places? Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Donna Michi, Ralph Bellamy. Well, Eddie Murphy is a street con man. Dan Aykroyd is a pompous, well-to-do commodities trader. And they get into it on the street, and Eddie Murphy is accused of stealing Dan Aykroyd's briefcase, and he didn't. Well, they, Dan Aykroyd worked for two famously rich brothers, the Duke brothers, and they were so rich, all they had to do all day long was just bet on things. They bet on anything. So they bet that if they took Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd and traded places, that Eddie Murphy would do just as well selling commodities as Dan Aykroyd did. And he said, her environment is greater than heredity, and they'd put a bet on it. And that's the basis for the movie. Well, in this story, and maybe they loosely wrote this movie script on the rich man and Lazarus. I don't know. You have to remember that Jesus was a master teacher. He used humor and exaggeration and stories and all kinds of methods to get people to listen to what he had to say. Now, Deborah and I have a group of friends in Columbus, Mississippi, and we get together, not as regular as we used to, but when we get together, we catch up by telling the stories of our lives, things we've done, places we've been. And you can think you've told a really good story, and then Kelly will say, but, but I've got the best story. She always tops her story. It doesn't matter what. So I can imagine if Kelly is telling this story, this is how it may go. Maybe Lazarus used to rich, work for the rich man. Maybe he was the security guard at the front gate. We read in Revelation 19 through 21, there was a rich man who wore fine clothes, purple linen, and feasted on fine food every day. At his gate was a poor man named Lazarus who wanted the leftovers from the rich man's meals, and only the dogs came and licked him were his friends. Now, the rich man would have needed somebody to protect him and his property and watch his gate and let the right people in. Maybe Lazarus worked for him. Maybe he was the security guard. 
And in those days, dogs were not ordinarily pets. They were to use to work and for protection. And maybe Lazarus was in charge of the dogs, the guard dogs. But at this point in this story, in this chapter, the only friends Lazarus has were the dogs. And the dogs would come and lick him, as dogs do. Well, maybe the rich man fired Lazarus. Maybe he even slandered Lazarus so he couldn't get another job. We read in verse 25, remember that in your lifetime you had good things, but Lazarus endured evil things. So what evil had been done to Lazarus? Maybe the evil things came from the hands of the rich man. But now in eternity, everything is reversed. Lazarus receives good things in heaven, sitting with Abraham. And now the rich man is suffering in Hades. Well, then we're introduced to the idea of a chasm that divides where the rich man and Lazarus are. The story by Jesus is filled with a lot of divine truths. The rich man asks Abraham, who is a hero to the people he's talking to, two things. He wants Lazarus to bring him a drink, and he wants him to go warn his five brothers, don't do what I did and don't end up here because it's a terrible place. Waversham said, I can't help you. It's too late. You've had your chance. Now there's a great chasm between us that we can't cross. Then Abraham told the rich man, your brothers didn't listen to Moses and prophets. They won't listen to Lazarus. And this chasm, this ravine, this big ditch, this canyon, this split wasn't created by God. We create our own chasms our own ditches that we can't get across. The rich man then and us now make our chasms between us and God, between us and each other with our selfishness, our lack of empathy, our self-seeking lives, our not seeing other people as the children of God. And this chasm is not a physical barrier, it's a spiritual barrier. It separates us from each other and from God. This barrier separates us from the joy of living in the kingdom. And we don't have to wait till after our death to live in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom now. Jesus wants the Pharisees then and us today to see the error of trusting in money, in our things more than trusting God. We may be at the gate, hungry and miserable, but Jesus sees us. He doesn't ignore us. He sees us even when we have the wrong values. He sees us trusting in things more than trusting in Him. And Jesus can offer us more than Abraham could offer the rich man. Jesus sees us as God's children in need of rescue. We read in 2 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, there is one God and one mediator between God and us, Christ Jesus who gave Himself for us. So Jesus is described as the bridge over the divide, over the chasm, over the big ditch. Jesus sees us and calls us to a better life. In Matthew 9, 36, we read, Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. In Romans 12, 15, we read, Rejoice with them, rejoice, and cry with them who cry. Empathy is seeing people. We have to see people. Empathy is sharing life with others. Empathy bridges the gap, bridges the chasm between us and God and between us and each other. So how do we bridge the distance, the chasm that keeps us from living in the kingdom of God? When we encounter someone, we need to see them, 
not look over them, through them, around them. We need to just speak to them and listen. How many times do you say, how you doing? And before they can answer, you're already talking to somebody else. Or somebody asks you, how are you doing? Before you can respond, they're already gone. I make it a New Year's resolution every year not to greet somebody by saying, how are you doing? Because I do care, but many times I don't. And I think all of us are like that. We need to do what we can to help and not feel guilty when we can't help. My granddaddy always said, you can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And we need to ask people how we can pray for their needs. So we need to look. We need to be able to see. We need to be able to bridge the chasm, the gap between us and God and between us and others. And we need to be a Jesus person. We need to be Jesus people. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc.